middle of the res road we're your hosts ricky and Alyssa. we're here to share the success stories of people who took the opportunity to join the trades and how these opportunities can be achieved by anyone looking for success our work may be seasonal but our stories don't have to be become your own success story hey guys welcome back and this time this episode is going to be different than the ones we've done before today we're talking about an issue that doesn't get a lot of what's the word I'm looking for publicity publicity yeah um we're gonna be talking about human trafficking and we have Kelly with us thank you so much for coming down you're kind of like the the expert on this subject (laughs) would you consider yourself an expert personally I would not consider myself an expert and every time I hear that word um used um my name following my name i get knots in my stomach but um (laughs) i know uh, the company that i'm doing work for right now is they call me the subject matter expert and like i said it kind of gives me a little bit of butterflies but um i guess uh, you know i i have some knowledge about this particular subject matter and i've i've worked it um when i was with the police department and so we'll go with expert for now i'll be okay with that what did you do for the police department? Yeah, so um, I worked um, for the Fond du Lac Police Department here in Cloquet and started out on patrol like everybody does when they uh, join a police department. And within a couple of years of um, working there, uh, the Fond du Lac Reservation had applied for a grant for to get a um, sex trafficking investigator position at the police department. So, um, as you can imagine, there wasn't a big rush to fill that position um, <laughs> from a lot of the people that were working there. Um, and I was one of them. I was not real interested in doing it, to be quite frank. I was, I was liking what I was doing out on, out on patrol and, you know, kind of just getting the hang of it. And I thought I was doing a pretty good job. And I, I liked the excitement of it and, and that and stuff. So I had to be kind of... Um, convinced that this would be a good fit for me so they asked if I would um, submit a letter of um, interest for the position which I did and I was the only one that put in the letter of interest so I I landed the position um, and I, looking back I mean I'm, I'm glad it happened the way it happened I'm glad that I did um, was asked to apply for it and I'm, I'm glad that I got the position because um, it kind of became, it's kind of like one of those things, like you, you don't think you want a puppy, but then when you get a puppy, it's like the best thing ever. Right. I didn't think I wanted this position as a sex trafficking investigator, but once I got into it and started learning about it and, um, the prevalence of it, and, um, I got very interested in it. And, uh, I'd like to think that for the short time that I, I, I was there in that position, um, that I was able to make a difference and even in a small way so what do you do now then yeah so now um i left the police department to take a job um, in the private sector with a company called uh, paramount planning Um, paramount planning um, then in turn uh loans me out to um, right now i'm currently under contract with enbridge corporation 
and because um, they had the Line 3 project, which I'm sure you're all familiar with that came through mm-hmm. um, yep. our area. And, of course, there was concerns um, uh, with the communities along the Line 3 corridor about the possibility of sex trafficking occurring um, with the, you know, the amount of workers that were going to be in the area and that type of thing. And so they asked me to come in and um, help bring awareness and and go out and talk to the workers out on the on the line and stuff and just kind of give them an opportunity to hear exactly what sex trafficking is all about and this is why we have concerns about it and this is why you shouldn't do it type of thing. And um, that's so that's what I did for the Line 3 project. And then... Um, after the Line 3 project was over, uh, Enbridge decided um, as a company that they would like to um, bring that initiative, move it, move it forward and not have it end with the Line 3 project, but actually have it something implemented within the corporation as a whole for, you know, for all the projects down the road. And it's not just a one-and-done thing. So um, that's what I'm doing now for them. I'm helping them um, establish um, some content as to how that would look and um, at some point when the line five project which is around the corner probably a a couple years away actually there's the line five reroute through wisconsin and then up in michigan and um, the same type of initiative where we would do some community engagement um, talk to the community um, about sex trafficking what it looks like the red flags and all that type of thing and then of course um, uh, embridge will also be doing that training for their workers um, that come in, not their workers, but the contracted workers that come in and actually do the work on the pipeline. I think if you guys did an interview with uh, Rachel uh, Johnson, who had previously been with Precision Pipeline, and she was a, she did, I, her and I worked very closely together during the Line 3 project. Um, so a lot of these companies um, are bringing in this type of thing into the in, it's becoming an industry-wide um, concern, and it's something that a lot of these um, companies are implementing and and are mandating training with sex trafficking. I was going to ask, so putting in your app, what what did you call it? Not an application, but a letter of interest. Yeah, a letter of interest in there. Did you after that do like training yourself or? Yeah. Like schooling or anything? <laughs> I did. I attended. Um, I was given kind of the green light to kind of go out and seek out and find whatever training I could. Because to be quite honest, I, I knew little to nothing about sex trafficking when I took the position. So yeah. I really had to go out there and, and attend trainings and stuff. And one of the biggest um, things that occurred for me as far, in a positive way was uh, Duluth had uh, a sex trafficking investigator. And I was assigned to her. And she was like my mentor, and I um, learned a lot from um, her um, and how to d- uh, do investigations, what the crime looked like, um, all these different things, mostly localized in, in this area, which was very helpful. Um, and then between that and going to all the trainings, I I feel like I um, established a pretty solid base um, over a period of time. It wasn't didn't happen overnight, yeah. but it took some time. How many years? Have you been doing, have you been involved with like sex trafficking? And- um, since 2017. So what are like the root causes of human trafficking or sex trafficking? Because there's multiple layers, right, of human trafficking? Yeah, 
basically when we talk about human trafficking and my my expertise (laughs) (laughs) my expertise lies on the the sex trafficking side of things but there's also labor trafficking um when you talk about human trafficking you're usually talking about those two things labor trafficking and sex trafficking um both of which are huge um they're both growing uh i have a statistic here in front of me um, human trafficking is the fastest growing and most lucrative criminal enterprise in the United States behind only drug smuggling. So every year it gets more and more prevalent. And I, I, I'm sure there's going to be a point where it's probably going to exceed drug smuggling um, over time. And that's because a lot of times uh, you will find with sex trafficking, not necessarily, I can't speak on labor trafficking. I won't pretend to know a, a lot about that, but um, a lot of times, the drugs and sex trafficking go hand in hand. Uh, drug dealers uh, will be involved in sex trafficking to some degree and some capacity, but also uh, a lot of times the drug dealers will switch their interest to sex trafficking because it is more lucrative, and that's because drugs is a one and done thing, right? You have your product, you put it out on the street, you sell it, and that's and you're done. And this is going to be hard for some people to hear, but with sex trafficking, you have your product is is that is a person, and you can sell that person over and over and over and over again. So it bec- it's more lucrative than actually um, drugs. That's crazy. That's it's hard to think about, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the root cause. I mean, some would some would say the root cause is. Um, Inequities, uh, gender inequity, uh, financial inequities, racial inequities. Um, but really, when you, when you have a person, an individual, a human being that's willing to sell another human being, um, that's really that's hard to combat, right? Yeah. You can't. You can you can work and try to fix these other things. Um, but it's hard to fix that. So I, I think those would all be considered root causes in my, in my opinion, but I think when, it, when you boil it down, when you have that person that's willing to exploit these people and put them out there and sell them for profit, I, think, I, I believe that to be the real root cause. Like you said, that's really hard to think about. It's, especially when you put it in like that perspective of that that's a person that they're selling over and over and over. It's and I've, I've had my share of um, hearing survivor stories um, from individuals that were involved in the <coughs> sex trafficking as a victim, and hearing how that was for them is, I mean, if you can sit through any of these talks and listen to them and not tear up or not, I mean, have empathy for them. I, I just, it's, they're heartbreaking. And the fact that they got through it on the other side and they survived it is, is amazing. So many people don't survive it. So I, ca- I have a question, but I don't want it to come off as like me being ignorant or <gasps> I'm just, I don't know how to ask it. Go ahead. So how does somebody become a victim of sef- sex trafficking? Like, well, it can have, it can happen in a number of ways. Um, we know that um, sex, tra- sex trafficking victims are a vulnerable population for whatever reasons, some of the reasons that I just explained to you, um, financial reasons, um, homelessness, um, drug abuse, um, drug addiction. Um, 
race it plays a factor. Um, there's all these different things that, that play into um, how a person gets involved in it. And a lot of times, especially when we're talking about kids mostly, but it can be adults too. Keep in mind, it can be adults. But a lot of time, when you have uh, kids that are growing up in a less than favorable home life, um, maybe their parents, there's not two parents in the house, or or there's a, maybe drug addiction with one or both of their parents, um, the situation, they're already caught up in the system, um, being the social services system in some capacity. Um, things just aren't going their way in life, right? They're, things are tough. And now you have um, someone who has the ability to reach these kids um, without those kids ever leaving their house because they can reach them through the through the the use of the internet and all these different apps and the places where kids go right because there's as kids even kids that have what you essentially have what you would think everything they want or could need um, right in front of them you know what it's like growing up it's tough it's really tough and you, there's a period of where you just feel like nobody likes me or, you know, you can get really down on yourself. And then, you know, now, nowadays um, you get on the internet and you start seeking out um, friendships through the internet. And the next thing you know, you have, um, you don't know it, but an adult reaching out to you, maybe posing as somebody else or posing as someone younger, but all of a sudden they got, you got, they're listening to this person talk to them and they feel like they now have a friend because they have someone telling them that they're worth something, that they have some value, things that they're not hearing in their everyday life. And that's very attractive to kids. It's very attractive to adults, right? It's, it's really hard to walk away from somebody that's telling you how great you are. Um, but the problem with that is these people, their intentions are not good, right? It's all, that's the whole force, fraud, and coercion of sex trafficking. That's what the coercion part of it, right? Uh, or even the fraud part of it, where they're making promises like, I can bring you a better life, I can buy you things, you're so pretty, you deserve this or that. And um, it's, it, it draws the kids out, and the next thing you know, they're literally, and I, I say this because I had this experience when I was working as an investigator, you now have a child, 13-year-old or 14-year-old, who's established this relationship over the Internet and they're willing to crawl out their bedroom window and get into a car with a total stranger and disappear into the night um, because this person was telling them how great they were and they have something to offer them that they're not getting elsewhere. Um, and that's, that's, that was a real um, story of a real investigation I had where that, that very thing happened and that that. That young girl um, ended up in a really bad situation in Duluth, her and a couple friends. Um, she got through it. She survived it. But that's just how easy it is. That's how easy it can happen. Um, I, I got, you know, like kind of a little different question, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, how, what, you know, like I, I know you, you got a lot of experience and stuff in that. Um what, what are some things that people can do or kind of look out for or kind of get educated on, like, in the simplicity of what to look for yeah. 
and you know maybe um simple talks that you can have with your children or you know like um there's got to be some little bit of a solution right. you know to education or something yeah i think one of the biggest things i try to remind I, well i i say to people is you know what can i do what can i make sure my my child doesn't get um hung up in this or this doesn't happen and it's like first and foremost you got to be a parent you got to be there um because and you can't you can't hand your kid a computer or an a an iPad or their a phone and say and with the expectations here stay keep them busy for a while right so I can go over and do this I mean there's nothing wrong with that if you're monitoring what they're doing but you can't have that technology and use that as your babysitter because it's it's not going to work um, the other thing is <clears throat> just just know um, you got a police you got to police what your kids are doing on the internet. You have to keep track of that. You have to know, you, you know, you, what they're doing, who they're talking to, and they're not going to be real pleased with that. But again, that this go, that goes back to being a parent. So being a parent is not easy, and it takes it it takes a lot. You got to have to say you have to have the ability to say no to these kids, so this doesn't happen. Um, they're going to have some, there's going to be times, you can't have control of them over all the time, but it's really important to have those talks with your kids, just like anything, whether it's a talk about drugs, whether it's a talk about texting and driving, you have to have that conversation and um, let them know what the dangers are, what, what it looks like, um, and that they don't always know who they're talking to when they're on the Internet. And one of the other things, too, I, I really like to... Um, impress or express is the idea that I think it's so important for a child to to know that they're loved, that you care about them. So when they're walking out the door in the morning to go to school or to go play with their friends or whatever they're doing, you know, if the for them to hear you say, "Hey, I love you. Take care of yourself. Check in with me once in a while." Um, if if they know they have that at home, it's going to really um, prevent them, I think, from trying to seek that out and try to find it somewhere else, because um, they, they they don't need to. They won't have that. They they already know they got a family that loves them, and but they got to hear it. They got to hear it. You know, so it's it's not rocket science in my opinion. Um, it's just about being a good parent. It's about being a good caregiver, whatever the situation is. Maybe the kid is living with their grandparents or whatever the situation is there. Um, I used to talk to um, teachers at schools a lot of time. They spend a lot of time with, with kids, right, with our kids and your kids. They spend a lot of time. And they they're kind of have a front row seat to recognize a child like, okay, this, this child used to come to school, was happy, um, engaged, interacted with the other kids, was dressed appropriately, um, and all of a sudden – quieter is dressed differently like used to come to school in tennis and sweats or you know a hoodie or something and now is dressed kind of provocatively maybe starting to wear makeup it just doesn't fit and this person's almost their personality there's almost like a personality change that is a red flag um and it should be talked about the the 
the teacher should reach out to the parents or the caregiver, whatever the situation is, and say, hey, just just wondering, you know, this is what I'm seeing. Are you seeing the same thing at home? Is there anything, you know, I, I, I'm concerned, but I would just want to hear what, you know, what you think. And, and hopefully that conversation will be had too. So are kids the targeted, like, age range would be... 12-ish? Yes, unfortunately. Uh, the um, the average age of a, a, a child that gets involved in sex trafficking is 13. That's that's crazy. That, yeah. That's so scary to think about, like, having our son just turning 13 and just, like, thinking about that is it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And please don't think that this is just a, a female thing. I mean, yeah. Boys are are brought into this at just not just as much as girls, but it's they are brought into it too. And I will tell you about another case um, that there are times when adults will have someone age appropriate recruiting kids for sex trafficking. So they could be at school, and there might be a, another student there who's trying to recruit them into the, into the life of sex trafficking via uh, some adults outside of school. And that's that's a real thing, and that's something that I experienced as um, an investigator, too. Is that something that happened around here, or is it something that happened? It was in the area, yes. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. So that was, that was one of the biggest things when I, I first started um, doing this, is uh, that was question, well, is it, it can't be happening here, and I, and that would happen... That would be said no matter where I was, right? Mm-hmm. It was really hard for people to think that, oh, this isn't happening in Cloquet or this, you know, this isn't happening here or there. It, like so close to home. Right. Yeah. But unfortunately, it happens. There, I don't think there's anyone that, any location that it, it, it can happen anywhere. That's just it. It literally yeah. can happen anywhere. Um, and just don't be naive to the fact, to the idea that it, it that it's, um, is happening because it is you know um what 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 kind of services are recommended for these even children or young adults or even i i know that even happens with uh old older generations mm-hmm. and stuff like that what what kind of services are provided you know for um these individuals that have been through that yeah there's there's uh Right here locally, we have PASVA that that provides services. Um, there, there's so many things that this person, this individual, whether it's a child or an adult, that they're going to need. Right, they're going to need, in all likelihood, um, medical attention um, because they haven't had access to it. And there, there's probably some, you know, unfortunately, um, STDs are prevalent with this. Um, there's and, and if they've suffered. Uh, physical abuse of any kind. Um, so there's that's a necessity that for sure that they, they need medical attention that, like I said, that they probably haven't received in, in quite a long time. Uh, there's the whole uh, counseling, emotional side of things, right? The trauma that they experienced um, on an emotional level that they're going to need help with and assistance with. And it's one of those things that we're not talking like, okay, You've been good, you know. You've been doing this for eight months. You should be back on your feet and good. 
some of these people carry this kind of thing, this trauma with them for year, years and years right into their adulthood and, and, and beyond, right? I mean, it doesn't just go away. So you're talking about, in some instances, you're talking about probably a, a lifelong um, journey of receiving counseling and, and stuff like that. And just having a, a good support group um, around them I, I think it's like anything, and being around people that have experienced the same type of thing that you've experienced, getting in groups like that is always a positive. I mean, everybody um, knows about AA for one reason or another, right, or something similar to AA. And the reason those things are good is because it's it, you can you feel like you can open up and talk with people who have a shared experience. So getting them involved with that, um, that type of thing, and in touch with those kind of groups is, is helpful. And um, and then of course, if, if with family, um, no, you know, it's no. Try not to be judgmental of you know. Try. I think a lot of people think that well, this is their fault. This is their fault. If they wouldn't have done that, this never would have happened. You know, and it's like you can't be judgmental with 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 people in these in these situations because you just you don't know what the circumstances were you didn't walk in their shoes and um it's so it's just a strong support system especially kids especially kids yeah, yeah. they can be easily influenced and like you yeah. said earlier if they're yeah. looking for some type of recognition yeah. or love or and it's and, a lot of like wanting to impress the the older person and yeah yeah and the the um these the people that um prey after these individuals they're not dumb people they're very very manipulative and they know how to how to turn someone and how to manipulate them and how to get them to think and 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 kind of lose they you know they pull them away from their family slowly over nothing is done overnight it's a very slow process a slow build up to getting them away you know they they get them further and further away from their family. They have them thinking certain things, you know, that they might have never thought about before. It's it's all these things, and it's done through a very slow process. And they have them believing that they have their best interests in mind when, in fact, they don't. Is, is there a certain race that's targeted more than any other race? Or is, or is that, you know, like what would... I don't think so. I think it would... It's going to depend on what the population looks like in any specific geographical area, right? I mean, if, if you have, I mean, it's like we talked about, um, <clears throat> they go after vulnerable people. And um, a lot of times vulnerable people are, are, have, have ethnic, you know, whether it's black or Asian or Native American. Um, and that's not to say that whites aren't, aren't um, trafficked either. It's just... I, w- I would not want to say that any one particular race is, is targeted more than the other. I think it's just a case of where you're at, your vulnerabilities, um, how that plays out more than anything. Speaking of, like, geographically, is is there any truth behind Duluth being, like, one of the big hubs for sex trafficking? Like, the like I hear stories of, like, shipping containers full of... What we were, we, t- we were talking a little bit about this one before we got started here, and Duluth, there was a period in time in, in recent history where there was a lot of sex trafficking occurrence that was coming in um, off the, 
the carriers, the boats that were coming into lake, you know, to port. Um, I will tell you it's, and I, I know that narrative is, is trying to be kept alive to a certain degree. Um, but it's not, it's not like that anymore. I'm not going to sit here and say, I know for a fact that's not occurring at all because I don't know that to be true. But I do know that since, for example, 9-11, um, a lot of things changed as far as access. You know, people used to be able to drive down to these certain areas and, and um, engage and talk with the, these guys on the boats, um, that type of thing. But 9-11 changed all that. And the other thing that changed it even more so was the Internet, right? Now, because no one has to, you can communicate through the Internet and you don't have to do all that stuff sitting down there at the port. So um, is there sex trafficking in Duluth? Yes. Is there sex trafficking coming in in, in giant waves through the port? I, I do not believe that to be true. But that's not saying there isn't uh, sex trafficking going on in Duluth. Mm-hmm. Have you worked up in the Bemidji area by chance? I've always heard... Again, I don't know if this is true or not, but that in the Bemidji area, Native American women are more likely to be sex trafficked. Sex trafficked in that area specifically. I I think um, so. Let me backtrack a little bit. So when I was um, with the police department, part of that job that I had as an investigator um, for sex trafficking. Shortly after we got the grant, the first year, uh, this next time the grant was up for renewal, the, the wording of the grant changed slightly, and it was um, asked that um, we have a task force, that we put a, build a task force to combat sex trafficking. So what, what we did um, is we put together a task force. We had to submit our you know, in for the grant. But we, the idea was um, that we would put together a task force that was comprised of all the 11 tribes in the state of Minnesota. And we called ourselves Trust, Tribes United Against Sex Trafficking. And I, we thought that was a fantastic idea because, uh, because quite frankly, um, all the sex trafficking that we were hearing about, even the training I was going through, it was very concentrated on the Native American population and, and what was happening within the Native American population here in Minnesota and how, how many of them were being trafficked and that type of stuff. So it to us, it just made sense. Like, well, let's... There was other task force in the state. Uh, there's the BCA sex trafficking task force. There's the East Metro. But there was not a task force that was purely uh, made up of tribal entities with the idea of investigating um, native tribal um, sex trafficking incidents. So um, that task force, we built that task force from the ground up. It's something I'm really proud of, I, um, having done that, been a part of that. Um, I, I, that was um, one of those things when I left Fond du Lac, it was one of those things that was kind of weighing heavily on my mind, like, I, I got to leave this, you know, it's your I, baby. It's my baby. <laughs> um, and, but I got to leave this. And I had some trepidation about that. But, you know, I, I felt like, I think with anything, sometimes you come into a situation with a very, you don't know it, but you have a very distinct purpose. And then that purpose, you've done it. And now it's time to, to move on to do something else. And I, I, it's not that I thought that I was at that crossroad yet, yet with trust, but I felt like, you know what? I, 
I'll, I'll leave this in the capable hands of someone else will take it over and they might, they might see it differently. They might have a different approach that might work a little better. I'm not saying they were going to necessarily, um, I, I think what I had done up to that point was really good. And I think who, whomever was going to take it over after I left was going to do, was going to build, carry the baton forward and, and continue with that. So, um, so back to your question. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's there is um, incidents of sex trafficking up in the Bemidji area for sure. I mean, we had um, Leech Lake, uh, White Earth, uh, Red Lake um, were all involved in this task force. As were, like I said, all eleven tribes were involved in some capacity. Now, now all the tribes of Minnesota don't have a um, law enforcement police department, so those that didn't, we would have the county. Um, the county sheriff's office, um, we would have someone from there involved or like down at, uh, um, where am I trying, uh, Mittawakanton Sioux, they don't have a tribal police department, but they, they were involved in, in some aspect of the task force, whether it was advocates or social workers or what have you. So, um, so yeah, we would definitely get reports of um, sex trafficking incidences, um, especially our Leech Lake guy um, who actually lived in Bemidji. Uh, he worked cases up there, um, and the whole idea was if we had a case within our own um, jurisdiction, our own department, we had these other people from these other departments that could maybe step in and help us. So, Because with law enforcement, I don't think there's any department that isn't understaffed, even back when I was doing it. I mean, it's even worse now than it was when I left, but um, everybody's always understaffed, so if you can kind of share... Um, investigations and helping each other out it's it's a it's a plus you worked with all all tribes in minnesota right yep Yep. um do you ever do work with like mmiw yeah in fact um i had the opportunity to be at the signing of that bill when uh it was done that was i want to say 2018 2019 down in the cities when governor wells signed it i was down there for that Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah, because here's the th- the thing with that, and, and when they were talking about the MMIW and that this task force was going to be developed in the state of Minnesota, um, I remember very clearly I, I, in talking with the members of the task force, I said, look, we have to hitch our wagon to MMIW because the two are going to – the two th- – things intersect mm-hmm. right sex trafficking and the missing and murdered indigenous women those two it's not all missing and murdered um, indigenous women were necessarily sex trafficked but you know what i'm saying that those paths they cor- they correlate yeah so i thought it was really important that we and actually um the investigator from leech lake that was on the task force he was actually part he was also assigned to the mmiw task force um, when they first were established and stuff. So we had someone from the trust task force um, on that task force, which was really, really nice because we kind of we got to hear what was going on and stuff. And um, their goal when they came to be was to just collect data from all the law, law enforcement agencies in the state and try to get statistics, what we were talking about. It's statistics, excuse me, <laughs> are so hard to come by. Um, so that was what they were tasked with was trying to find out just exactly how many how many um, women out there are miss have been reported missing how many open cases are out there in the state of Minnesota that type of thing so 
Yeah. It was a fact-finding mission. Yeah, earlier, didn't you say that Minnesota is, what was it again, third yeah. in the country? I do. I have that one. I have that in front of me. This this is from, I want to say 2016 or 2017, but it was re-reported back in 2018. It says the FBI identified the Twin Cities as one of 13 U.S. cities with a particularly high incidence rate of child prostitution. And as it turned out, it's Minnesota is number three in the in the country for that. That's crazy. That's so it's not a statistic we want to be proud of, right? No, that's mm-hmm. not. Like, that's uh, it's not gonna something be on a that billboard. can be worked on. Yeah. You know, like, and, and it takes the individual, you yeah. know, individual people to work on it, you know, and to work together, you know. I know, Ricky, you were asking why, why is it like that? I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I don't, I, what separates, what puts Minnesota in the top three, you know, of, it's hard to say. I mean, you could say maybe because of our 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 uh, we're so close to Canada, so it might have something to do with that. It's I don't know. It's but like I, like I said, it's I it's not something we want to be proud of. That's for sure. So um, I got another question, kind of about the the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you think the position you're in now? the position that you took, like, with the new contractor, mm-hmm. do you think um, that better enables you to, to help on a bigger scale? I think so because I think at, at the end of the day, it's all about um, getting everybody out there aware of, the, of, of sex trafficking awareness and prevention. And I know a lot of times when I was out doing talks or doing training, um, like with EMS, um, or nursing, medical uh, teachers. It's like, what can, what, they were always nervous that if they saw something about whether they should report it. And I said, if you think you saw something or there's something that you're hearing in this from me today, and then you go out and you recognize that, I said, make the call. Um, because, and and this is how I explain it. I I said, um, do you really want to lay down that night to go to bed and say, man, I wonder if I should have called? You know what I'm saying? Like that for me, I would, I would not sleep that night because I was like, why didn't I call? I should have called. Why didn't I call? I should have called. I would rather call and have the police officers respond and say, we're good. It's, 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 it's all good. That's their brother, whatever the situation may be, right? And I, if I want to feel a little foolish because I called, I don't care. Does the police care that I called? No, they're they're glad that I did, and they're not going to be upset that I did And if, if I was wrong. But to not make that call and your your little spidey senses were right, that would be, you know, tough to, to know that you did that, that you didn't do the right thing. Yeah. So for someone to speak up, what should they do? Should they call call nine one one? Is there a hotline? There's hotline. I mean, there's a national hotline. Um, if you have suspicions of a sex trafficking, I, I think if it's like you're walking through Walmart or you're at uh, a local hotel or something, you're staying there, and and again, like your spidey senses go up, and you're thinking that's just not right. Um, but something doesn't feel right about that particular situation. Um, I just call the local nine one one number. Okay, certainly. I would discourage anybody and everybody to uh, 
go and confront anybody or, or ask or anything because you could potentially be putting yourself into a, a dangerous situation. And I don't mean to, I don't want to make it sound like this, you know, but it's the, the truth of the matter is, um, like we talked about very early on in this conversation, that person is money to that other person. And if you're interfering with his money or their money, they might not take too kindly to it. So don't try to confront anybody or anything like that. Just call 911. Okay. Um, that'd be a good thing to, I think, uh, get a hold of, right, is uh, some resource numbers maybe. Yeah. Or, I, or you know, yeah. Like, like some stuff to put mm-hmm. on the page and yep. uh, yeah, make, a, make aware, make aware, you know, just – to be able to, you know, so we could stand behind that and support that, yeah. you know, I mean, and because that's what we're doing here, yeah. you know, is like we're supporting the healthier living. Yep. And it's there is a national human trafficking hotline that's 888-373-7888. And of course, like I said, everyone knows 911. Um, the BCA here in Minnesota has a hotline. The The beauty about the national hotline is it's... Um, there's it's many languages okay so you know there if you it's not just one language and, and i think that's that's a plus because sometimes uh some of these sex trafficking victims um they don't even necessarily speak english um so it gives you know if they have an opportunity to make that phone call it it, it can do that so um but there's if nothing else nine one good old nine one one so the number there is like um universal for the whole country yeah, yes nice yep, yep. okay that's a good number to have. Yeah. Good number to promote. Well, I think that's that about does it for my questions. And Kelly, thank you so much oh, for coming down and opening our eyes mm-hmm. on this issue. Educating us. Yeah. yeah. Very educational. I like it. Like I um like I said, I got to see Kelly do one of her presentations at uh Precision Pipeline, you know, like in that yard and I was I was moved by that. I was like, I'm always on the lookout now. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So that's that's the thing. I mean, if people want to take the initiative and and, and get some training, you can you can pretty much educate yourself online to you know to a. And there's a lot. Like I said, there's so many businesses now that are are starting to embrace this. The hotel industry here in the Minnesota has, for, I don't even know how many years now, but since I uh, was an investigator. Um, they, as a hotel employee, when you come um, to work for a hotel, you have to go through um, sex trafficking awareness training within, I think it's like 90 days of hire. So they, because we all know, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, hotels and motels are used. Um, that's where the crime is usually committed, right, is, is at one of these establishments and stuff. So, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, we're talking everybody, um, the front desk people, the, the cleaning people, um, Everybody involved in the hotel, they all go through the training. And I'll tell you what, I, we had some had some of our best tips coming from um, when I worked with Fond du Lac coming out of Black Bear. Those guys, once they went through that training, they were just, you know, they were looking for it. And they had some, we got some good tips from them. So it's uh, it's kind of fun being, it's almost like being a little bit of an undercover cop, right? Because you're... <laughs> You're, you're there pushing the broom, but you're keeping an eye on what's happening in the in that room down the hallway. And that's what we need. Yeah. You know, that's what we yep. need. I and mean, I, that ain't a good number to be at for Minnesota. No, no. You know, so everybody needs to uh, remain vigilant, you yep. know, and, and say something, see something, say something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And 
we've had um, airlines are another one that totally embraced the whole um, sex trafficking, human trafficking um, awareness and prevention training and stuff. And we've, I don't, I'm sure you've heard maybe uh, stories that have come out of stewardesses recognizing um, a situation on a plane where a child is being, you know, is in the company of an adult, but it just doesn't seem. Something seems off. Something seems off. And they make that call. And then when the plane lands, they're met by law enforcement. And there's been a couple different instances where it's been a trafficking situation. So, um, yeah, if if you take the time to kind of educate yourself and, and then just keep your eyes open. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate that. And, yeah. that, and that's what opened my eyes is, is the, the way you talk about it. You could tell that, you know, like that it's coming from your heart, you know, and I, I always listen for that, you know, and that when I, you know, and you're very educated about it. And I just really appreciate you coming to take time to talk to us today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Kelly, for coming down. All right. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that about wraps it up. And once again, we'll... See you next week. Bye, guys.